Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning, good morning, dear listeners. Yes, that's right, it's Asia Pacific Currents. My name is Pierre Moore, and we are slightly late, but that was that beautiful song, We Are the Champions by Queens. I really like it. So I actually said to Annie, well done, putting <laughs> a great song. But I was going to let it keep um, playing until my co-host Giselle Okay, it's a lie. Was about it's a lie. He faded it out, and stuff. I said, what are you doing? Play the whole song. He's about to blame. Blame me for fading that out. Outrageous, Pierre. That's right. She was about to start singing on, on with it on air and I just thought, no, we can't let our listeners go through this. So I'm, okay, I'm sorry. Okay, none that. of that's true. Just All so right. you know, listeners, none of that's true. I do want to say a couple of things about it though. Firstly, that has become the anthem of the Yes campaign and the Equal or Marriage Equality campaign, We Are the Champions. And Certainly a shout out to every single person who participated in getting that yes vote across the line. As you all know by now, an overwhelming uh, majority of Australians voted for that. And of course, as people keep saying, the struggle does continue in relation to actually realising marriage equality. I do want to um, touch very briefly on the legacy around the world in relation to trade union movements in support of LGBTI communities and vice versa, um, particularly linking that to industrial struggle. I, for me, one of the very marked things about this Yes campaign, despite the involvement, the, the heroic involvement of Victoria Trades Hall Council in relation to the Yes campaign is how unindustrial it was, actually not using our industrial power to fight for that. So it's a testament to the general sentiment in Australian society that industrial power wasn't required. But of course, can't go past the massive... um, mining dispute in the UK, which was ultimately a defeat, but had the huge support of the LGBTI community and actually brought the miners' unions on board with marriage equality. Also can't forget the comrades in the garment industry in Indonesia that are organising around LGBTIQ um, rights and issues because of the overwhelming number of LGBTIQ members and um uh, workers in that particular industry in Indonesia, and of course sisters in uh, sisters in Islam in Malaysia who are campaigning and fighting for LGBTIQ rights in Malaysia. Two two of the examples I've given are Muslim dominated countries, Muslim majority countries, and of course one of the bits of backlash we're seeing following the yes vote is that in um, Some of the no areas, commentators are saying that these are ethnic communities or Muslim communities. It's just a lie. It's Islamophobia and it's racism. And we we must uh, fight against that particular interpretation of the vote. That's right. Um, All right. That's a great little uh, bit of history and social commentary there, Giselle. And, um, and of course, um, on this program, which is brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links, and you can get in touch with us through our website, allawaawl.org.au, or through Facebook uh, and Twitter. I feel like you're making me redundant, aren't all these all of my lines here? I just thought you'd said enough, actually. (laughs) I was giving you a breather.
Um, and we won't go with the phone number. I'm not too sure if our phone's reconnected. So there you go. And, and of course... Time now for Piers' weather report, according to personal feelings and observations, and definitely not based on any science. Spoken by C. Benito and definitely not endorsed by the Bureau of Meteorology. Oh, my God, that gives me so much joy and pleasure, Pierre. Thank you. But, of course, I do have a degree in science. Back, back, <laughs> you know, over 30 years ago, but, but I did. not meteorology, incidentally. No, but I did study meteorology as well. Okay. Anyway, let me Your just Your weather go. report has nothing to do with science. Let Off me, you go. Let me How go. How did it, it feel is, when it you were riding nice in this morning? nice and sunny, humid, not a cloud in the sky, but I think we're going to have thunderstorms after, which is fantastic. <laughs> and, Giselle, so what's in the second half of the program? Well, Pierre, uh, the 16th of November was a global day of action against trade union repression. You had many comrades right across the world participating in it in the Philippines, in Canada, in India, in South Korea, in Australia. Did Have, have I left? I've left look, a few po- off. Yeah, look, possibly there was messages. Oh, uh, in London, but they were the Iranian Workers' Solidarity yes. Group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that will be in the second half oh, of... Oh, that's right. The- Sorry. So I will... <laughs> Um, Pierre, who was the international coordinator of that particular event, um, I will be interviewing Pierre. Well, actually, we're just going to give you an update on what happened and to remind you of the significance of actually looking at and fighting against trade union repression. And, of course, since I'm on the panel side, at the the break when we have a a short community answer, we'll just swap sides. So I'll be the talent and you can be the interviewer just to make sure. None of that's going to happen. But it is time for news from around the region. Okie doke. Let's go to South Korea and for the 47th anniversary of the suicide of labour activist John Tae-il. And if anyone knows uh, anything about the Korean labour movement, they know how important the anniversary of the death of John Tae-il is, who was a labour activist back in the um, 70s and 80s. Anyway, the Korean labour movement staged a massive rally in central Seoul on uh, Saturday 12th of November. At least 50,000 workers took part in this rally, organised by the Korean Confederation of Trade Unions, to demand higher wages, better conditions and an end to union repression. And of course, even though President Park, who had done a massive offensive against workers, has been um, deposed through um, uh, popular mobilisations, labour issues certainly remain. And uh, other unions, such as the Korean Construction Unions, are are also holding their own separate um, actions and one of the main, main demands um, by all workers in South Korea and around the world is for the release of imprisoned KCTU leader Hang Sung Kyun, who we'll talk about later on in the program as well. Looking now at Cambodia this week, the main opposition party in Cambodia, the Cambodian National Rescue Party, was dissolved by the country's High Court. This move has effectively ensured that the current government, headed by Hun Sen, will win next year's elections. This ruling comes on the back of previous arrests and repression of opposition activists, as well as the closure of independent media outlets such as radio. Given the oppressive situation that Cambodians already face, the latest crackdown will only worsen the ability for workers to organise to improve their working conditions. 
And we go next door to um, to Talan, where again a um, a new um, report has exposed the, um, the the significance of the Les Majest law, which uh, most people would know it's um, it's the most repressive law in Thailand, which is uh, it's actually called Article One One Two, or referred to as the Les Majest law. This law criminalizes any alleged, implied, or indirect criticism of the Thai royal family and any of their interests, with jail terms of over 10 years. Many activists have been in prison on the most flimly, flimsy evidence, and if you go on our website tomorrow, you'll see a number of examples. A new report has analysed these Les Majest arrests over the last decade and has highlighted how cases of Les Majest increase in line with periods of intense political mobilisations in Thailand, which, Giselle, it's probably not very surprising. Not at all. Moving now to Indonesia, since the commencement of industrial action in May this year, the giant Freeport, Grasberg, Gold and Copper Mine in West Papua, thousands of workers have been fired from their jobs. This harsh response by the company shows the determination of the workers to maintain, uh, sorry, of the company to maintain huge profits um, from this mine by keeping workers unorganised. These same workers fought a heroic battle against the company back in 2011. And to highlight the current struggle, the Global Union Federation Industrial has produced a documentary on these workers and their lives. Um, of course, um, in 2011, uh, we saw the TNI basically open fire on that picket line. It was quite horrific. And I actually remember being absolutely distressed at the time when we were watching that. Oh, that's right. And um, for people who don't um, sort of realise, the mine is actually like at 4,000 metres up in the mountains. It's mainly shrouded in clouds all the time and it's really isolated, that whole mine and those villages. Um, it's quite an incredible setting. But they're highly competitive competitive, and um, certainly our best wishes go to them. Um, we now go to India, where over three days, starting from the 9th of November, tens of thousands of workers staged a series of mass sit-ins and protests in the Indian capital city of New Delhi. It has been over three years that the current government, headed by Prime Minister Modi, has been in power, and the situation for workers has steadily worsened over this time. On top of the disastrous demonetization of last year, the Modi government has unleashed a whole series of reforms that have undermined the power of workers and worsened their living standards. These protests were very important as not only did most labour and union centres in India participate, but their actions were directly targeting the government of Prime Minister Modi. And our final story for this news roundup comes from Turkey. In recent weeks, shoppers in Istanbul, Turkey, found notes in their newly bought Zara brand clothes that complained that workers who produced these clothes had not been paid. The issue dates back to earlier this year when the Bravo textile factory in Istanbul suddenly closed down, leaving around 140 workers being owed many months of wages. While the company has claimed it's working on setting up a hardship fund, any back pay is yet to materialise. Incidents like this only serve to highlight the brutal race to the bottom that companies like Zara engage in in order to reap the highest possible profits. Thought it was uh, good to end on a semi-positive note. Semi. 
Yeah, I, I mean, if you received yeah. a shopping bag with um, some notes in it from the workers saying this is how we're being treated, I mean, I think that is um, it's almost like what we were doing in the um, Palaya dispute when we were leafleting, right. yes. disembarking passengers saying the workers on that aircraft you've just come off are experiencing these conditions. That's right, that's right, and it's part of the of the broader struggle. And that's the end of the news roundup for today. Yeah, it's just about on 13 past 9 o'clock. We'll go to your community announcements. We'll give us time to swap uh, places, and uh, we'll go for an interview about the Global Day of Action on um, Stop the Repression of Unions. <laughs> You are invited to Sampari Exhibition, celebrating West Papuan culture. Sampari, a series of events supporting the West Papuan people's goal for self-determination. Art, discussion, spoken word performance, debate and Melanesian food and culture. Friday, 8th December at 6pm till Sunday, 17th December. ACU Gallery, 26 Brunswick Street, Fitzroy. Go to Sampari Exhibition Facebook or DFAIT West Papua website. Sampari, brought to you by Federal Republic of West Papua Women's Office, a 3CR supporter. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. Sixteen minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents with Giselle and Pierre. And of course, Pierre, uh, November 16 has become the Global Day of Action Against Trade Union Repression. It has been going for about three or four years now, four years. What? Firstly, I want to ask you, just to remind listeners, what are the origins of this particular um, recurring event? The origins um, go back um, a, a bit further back, and it's um, to do with um, our work over many years with um, unionists and labour activists in the Asia-Pacific region. And where one of the recurring themes that, that came out was about the repression of, uh, of labour activists and, and unionists. And we often did campaigns uh, going back many years to, to support um, labour activists. And through these discussions... Um, it came up the, the issue that um, it's something that all workers face at, at some level. And so it was um, decided to, well, it came out through a, uh, a series of discussions to actually have a day of uh, uh, in support and against trade union repression. And then the issue was, well, what day do you, um, do you choose? You know, there was already possible days like uh, Human Rights Day on the 10th of December. That was May Day. Um, um, and so there was a, the question, where, where do we go? And the, the answer came from our Filipino comrades, where on um, November 16th, um, I think it 2004. is... 2004. Yeah, so it's now 13 years ago, there was a, a protest and a picket, really, by farm workers um, at a farm that was actually owned by the family of then-President Ar- 
Mm, Arroyo, was it Arroyo? I can't quite remember. Yes, yes, Arroyo. Anyway, the military and the police were sent in and they shot at these protesters and over at least 10 were, were killed, a number of others injured and arrested. And there were children on that picket line as well. Four children and um, 10 adults were murdered um, because of that protest that they were taking. That's right. And, um, and uh, the movement and the families are still calling for, for justice. So that's even though 13 years ago. So uh, during the discussions... It was um, seen that that was uh, an important day. Uh, we did check that there wasn't any other uh, international days on that day. So that's how we actually came up with November the, the 16th. And since that time, it's given us an opportunity to actually look at and highlight trade union repression right across the globe. Um, and listeners, before we came to air this morning, Pierre and I were talking and we were reviewing some of the bits we wanted to tell you. And it's one of the rare occasions where I've actually seen Pierre moved um, and inspired by some of our comrades internationally, particularly Han Sung Kyun. Tell, tell me a little bit about uh, the repression against Han Sung Kyun and why he's such a symbol um, for this campaign at the moment. I'm just uh, such a hard nut, hey, Giselle. Um, yeah, look, um, we've talked about um, Han Sung Kyun uh, many times here on the on the on the program, and just to let people know, he is the current uh, secretary or leader of the Korean Confederation of Trade Unions. Now he's been in jail for two years now, serving a three-year jail sentence. For this, this time round. This time round. Let me let me get, get let me get to. Are you to, saying let me let you answer the questions I've asked you? Yeah, I wasn't it. going to be so bold, but you could put that interpretation, Giselle. Um, so he is um, he's uh, two years in his uh, uh, latest jail sentence. He um, he actually and the reason he's in jail is because he organised demonstrations against President Park and for the right of of workers in uh, in uh, in South Korea. So that's that is real. That there are the charges. They are the charges that he's in jail. There is a huge international campaign. Um, um, for his release, and even though the the movement was able to defeat President Park and led to an unprecedented um, impeachment of her, he's actually still in jail, and that is shows how um, um, where the real power in society is now. Also, he actually came to the KCTU, and this is actually like for uh, trade unions around the world and in Australia. His election campaign for the position of secretary of KCTU was basically one issue, apart from saying, you know, I'll support workers. We have to organise a general strike. That was actually his bold statement, and that's what he won the election on. So it shows you the, the level of uh, commitment. Now, if you want to go back even further to show what I have to say, he's a hero. All right, let's just put it straight out that he's a hero to the international working class. In 2008, um, uh, Han Sung Kyun was the elected uh, chairperson of the local union representing the employees of Sangyong Motor Company. Now, he organized and he led a struggle against a layoff to 2,000 workers that occupied the factory. And they held the factory for 77 days. And they only were defeated when basically a combined force of the military 
and uh, and the police stormed that in 2008. Um, again, if you go in on the internet, you can you can see this. He then served a three-year sentence for for that. So between 2009 and 2012, he was actually um, he was actually in 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 jail. He then continued his activism from there, and he won the election at the KCTU. But beforehand, I'll just one last bit. When he was 17 in 1980, and again, um, people who know the history of South Korea, the Kwanju uprising is another huge date in Korean labor and democratic history, where basically the, the whole city of Kwanju rose up against the military dictators in 1980 and then were crushed um, a few weeks later. Well, Mr. Han Sang-kyun, he was 17, he actually participated in that. So... There you go. That's why he's a hero. Well, obviously, um, <clears throat> him, in addition to hundreds of thousands of Korean workers... Totally agree. Totally agree. <laughs> Sorry, we can't personalise it. It's, it's a movement. Um, uh, took to the streets recently in South Korea to commemorate Jun Tae Day. You mentioned all of that. I want to um, I want to move to Thailand um, because partly I feel like we've virtually abandoned our comrades, our fellow workers in that country because a military regime seems so intractable. Their um, tools of repression are so effective. What can you tell us about what's happening in Thailand at the moment? Well, I mean, we just brought you that story about the use of les majest law and the, basically the arrests uh, in the last three years are running at over 100 per year. So, um, uh, I mean, I think that what you've said is, is very, very uh, interesting because obviously we had a, a, a prisoner that we were really fighting for, Somyot Pruksak Samsuk, who was uh, jailed in 2011 for um, 10 years. But the, the issue really is that's right, the repression is so great now and the movement... Um, it's not been destroyed, but it, it's under incredible pressure and has been totally atomized, and it's it's regrowing. But it, it's terrible, basically. I actually think Thailand and Turkey, which we don't have time to talk about, are clear examples of what happens when you get pushed so far backwards. And I'm not sure the workers in Australia quite understand what that looks like. I mean, in both Thailand and Turkey, in a matter of days. We saw entire movements virtually crush. I mean, the Thai unions have all but disappeared and those that are remaining are so far underground we can barely find them if they exist at all. So the attacks against workers in Australia, all of these anti-worker laws, I, I get the sense that workers in this country think once these laws are introduced, we'll live to fight another day. I think sometimes... You just don't. Sometimes the blow can be so hard that it is almost impossible to get up from. And I know that is a very pessimistic way of looking at Thailand. And I know your inclination, Pierre, is to leave listeners with a sense of hope. So I'm going to cut that right there and move to Iran, which is another country in which we see such deep, deep repression against you. I mean, so many of the union leaders in Iran are actually in prison. But that is a country where people just get up the next day and keep fighting. 
That's that that that's right. And um, look, I, I agree. You know, I don't think we need to be either pessimistic or optimistic. I think we just have to be realists that our labour movement can be crushed and can can really, if we're not ready for it, can really we can be thrown back to the gutters, really. And I think Iran is a case where the the conditions. I mean, I won't. We've only got a, a few minutes, but the the basically. In Iran, there's basically no labour protection for uh, for workers, and there is actually no enforced minimum wage, no matter how how low it is. It's just none, and there is a a whole series of laws, and so. But like you said, again, you know, are they are they heroes? I want to say yes, you know, and they're even less known that um, than Han Sang Kyun. Um, and there's been lots of cases, unfortunately, tragically, in uh, in a very sad cases of these labour activists dying in prison um, after many years of fighting. And we've got two at the present moment. We've got uh, Mahmoud Salehi, who's actually a baker, comes from uh, uh, the Baker Union, who's been in and out um, for jail for for 30 years. That's how long his labour activism, uh, Mahmoud Salehi, goes back to. He's now in hospital um, on the verge of, of... He's really, really sick. We've also got Reza Shahabi from the Tehran Bus Workers Union, who's been in jail, um, in and out in jail for the last um, uh, seven years. And um, he's also in hospital with uh, more health conditions. Um, but, you know, this is a message from prison, from Reza, just to show you that... You know, once you start fighting, you keep fighting. He goes, the support of workers and defenders of workers and human rights in Iran and internationally will be the only guarantor of my freedom and the freedom of my incarcerated colleagues. We can only say we agree. Absolutely. Uh, and that's why we have this International Day uh, against the uh, repression of trade unions and labor activists all around the world because it does happen and um, we have to fight against it. That's right. And of course, the reason for that repression, listeners, and I just want to connect these final dots for you. you. Not that you can't do it yourself. Um, But one of the, you know, the main reason for the repression of trade unionists is capitalists are not surrendering their profits willingly without a fight and certainly without force. And the more effective our struggles are, the more threatening our struggles are, to those profits, the fiercer, the more, the deeper the repression. So in countries like South Korea, where the government is absolutely out to destroy that union movement, in countries like Bangladesh, where the entire world's garment industry relies on the almost free labour of those workers to produce clothing for the rest of the world. This is where and why. That's the source of that repression. And the the solution is to keep fighting, to keep battling until we smash the shit out of that system. Um, And, and of course, we haven't even mentioned China. Oh, we haven't mentioned China or Turkey or Vietnam. I mean, there are many, many parts of the world that we could talk about. But we are out of time on today's program. The Global Day of Action Against Trade Union Repressions is an annual event. It grows every year. We will continue to 
bring you stories that will culminate in this event on the 16th of November every year and perhaps we'll see you at those demonstrations in coming years. That's right, that's right. And uh, we shall keep up uh, the news coming up uh, on the news if you keep listening to Asia Pacific Currents. Um, but that's really all that we've got um, for you today. Um, solidarity, um, not Solidarity, um, Palestine Remembered will be coming up straight after these announcements. But that's all from me, Pierre Morrow. And me, Giselle Hanna. 3CR programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.